Hey, like I said, we're going to continue our uh, discussion, our series on why does it matter? And uh, Pastor did an amazing job last week on justification. I uh, was so like in awe, <laughs> I had to go back and listen to it. And uh, I, was, I was so thankful for his word last week. And um, uh, we've talked about sanctification the first week. But this week, this week we're going to be talking about something else. And we've got two more parts to this series and uh, we'll be going through it this week, and then next week we'll be gone, and then the week after that, Pastor will be able to finish this and close this series up, but I am so looking forward to it. If you're like me, you grew up in church, okay? Uh, you grew up in church, and you read stuff in the Bible, and most of the time, even in Sunday, I remember in Sunday school, you would memorize scripture, okay? Anybody else in this room today? You you went through that as a as a child, okay? Just like me, but I would often memorize this scripture and, and these things that I were reading, and I just didn't really know what it meant. Just didn't have a clue on what it meant. And, and uh, you know, I, I uh, would see these words or see these phrases or these things talked about in the Bible, and I'd be like, what is that, right? And that's kind of what we're talking about in these, these, uh, these weeks that we've been going through these and trying to deep dive into uh, these different words or phrases that we hear in the Bible. And I hope that it's been good for you as it has been me. And uh, I've, I've, uh, I've enjoyed it myself and being able to um, bring a word and being able to study a little bit more about what um, something means or, or what we're discussing. But this is the whole reason why we're tackling this series. Because we found these four words right here that we needed to, to um, make in big, bold letters, right? Lights around it. Like, we need to talk about these four things because I think that it will help us in the long run as Christians and as Christ followers. But that's why we're tackling this series because we want to be the kind of people who don't just skip over words, okay? We don't just skip over words we don't understand, or we might make up definitions to um, something. And, and I don't know if you've been there, but Jew gets on to me all the time. She's like, you use the wrong word. <laughs> all right. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. All right. I'll get better. Okay. But, you know, we have these, these issues sometimes where we go over these words or we skip them if we don't know what they mean. It doesn't matter if you're 12, okay, or if you're 82. It does not matter. All right. You're still going through it. I guarantee it. Okay. But these four words that we're speaking of are vital to our walk. They're vital to our walk. All right. They're things that we need in our lives, in our hearts. And they're vital to our spirit. But if we, if we uh, find the source of life and we find that godliness and that wisdom in Scripture, then we probably know what these words mean and how we should apply them to our lives. So. We're tackling these four words in four weeks, and we've already went through two of them, sanctification and justification. And today, we're going to be talking about transgression. Ooh, <laughs> lightning strike, <laughs> thunder rolls, right? We're going to be talking about transgression this morning. And this is a difficult topic, but I think it's probably, it's a big one, okay? It's something that we need to talk a little bit about this morning. But we'll have a bonus this morning also. Everybody say, woo, all right? We're going to have a bonus word this morning, and I'm going to throw in there iniquity. Okay, so we're going to talk about a little bit of transgression and iniquity. And, of course, these two words are used in Scripture, okay? Most of the time, they're right next to each other or they're close to one another, all right, because a lot of it is the same, okay, but there's a little bit of a difference, all right? But what do they mean, and, and why are they important for us today? 
And I want to give you the most basic definition, okay, of these two words. And that is they mean sin, okay? They mean sin. But there's more going on here than just sin. The book of Isaiah 59 and 12 says this, and Tyler's going to put it up on the screen for us this morning. It says, for our transgressions are multiplied before you. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us, for our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities. Let's pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask God that you would open up our hearts this morning, God. God, that you would open up the ears to hear, Lord, your word. God, that you would help me, Lord, convey what you have for us in Scripture today. God, I ask, Lord, as, as you enter into this, to this time that we have right here, God, God, that you would help, Lord, to show our faithfulness, God. You would help us, Lord, to, to grasp a hold of these words, God, and, and apply them to our lives this morning. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Using an account in Judges 16 as a case study, and we're going to talk a little bit about Samson here, but we realize that when we live with sin as Samson did with Delilah, we are in trouble, right? We are in trouble, and Samson's transgression was with him. It was with him, and although he was a chosen person who was meant to destroy the Philistines, transgression followed him. So what is transgression? I said a little bit while ago about it being sin, but it is an act of going beyond morality. It is an act of going beyond morality, thereby entering into sin. So staying with Samson's case this morning in Judges 16, we see that when our transgressions remain with us, it doesn't get us anywhere, right? It hurts us. It, it brings us down. You know, his mom and dad warned him not to get involved with the unbelieving Philistine woman, okay? They gave him some advice, and they told him not to get involved. They warned him about it. But he said that's the exact woman that he wanted. And further, we, God's children have been given a moral law of not getting equally yoked with unbelievers. Equally yoked with Unbelievers, And from Samson's case, we realize that transgression leads to making wrong choices. And I'm not going to read the entire passage today, but, but it leads to making wrong choices. How many wrong choices have you made in your life without you even realizing that you made them? Often, okay? I still go through it quite a bit. But if we go uh, deep down through there in these verses in number 16, it talks about he went in the, uh, with a harlot, okay? In verse 5, he talks about he went, again, or he went ahead again to, a, to love a woman, Delilah, to who we are not sure he was married to, okay? He had weakened self-control. And I can promise if you have weakened self-control, you are going to have a hard time, <laughs> Okay? You are not going to uh, be able to pass through life easily, okay? If you have a, a weakened self-control, you're going to have a hard time. Uh, through there, verses 6, 10, 13, and 16, we see how he continues to lose control. Samson lose control when he was fully informed that, that the informed he would release, okay, was meant to cause him affliction. And with these things that Samson was dealing with, he had an inability to fulfill a greater purpose. He had an inability to fill a greater purpose. Samson was someone who was meant to destroy the, the uh, Philistines, okay? But now he's arrested because of what he's done. His eyes plucked out. Ouch, okay? 
He became a grinder in prison, unable to continue to fulfill purpose. And we're going to get somewhere this morning, but I just wanted a a quick summary here about Samson. Finally, he had self-destruction, right? So we're going to look at a few more passages of Scripture this morning. And the first one being in Exodus 34. And Tyler's going to put it up on the screen for me. And it says this. And as he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and and, in faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. You see, God lovingly forgives our sin. God lovingly forgives our sin. Sin is contrasted with God's love, okay? But also this points out that sin leaves us guilty, right? It leaves us guilty before God. We are, le- uh, we are left, as far as sin goes, guilty before God. Psalms 32 and 5 says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You forgave the guilt of my sin. Sin, transgression, and iniquity are used almost interchangeably. It also requires a confession on our part, right? Shows that we are prone to hiding our sin. This is what it does, okay? In Micah 7 and 18, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. In Psalms 1, or Psalm 103, starting in verse 8, says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sin deserves or repays us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. (laughs) As a father who has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That's God's character. That right there, that, that verse that I just read is God's, those few verses that I read, was, is, is God's character. He removes our sin from us. He removes our sin from us. So what does all this mean, and why have I been reading this this morning? What's the difference between sin and transgression and iniquity, if they all kind of mean the same exact thing? Each of these words has a subtle nuance okay, to it, and that is incredibly important for us this morning. It's incredibly important for us to remember this morning. And while they are used interchangeably, it's important that there is a distinction between these Otherwise, God wouldn't have just put them in there like this, okay? He didn't just put them in there. So what's the importance this morning? First is that transgression seems to do with our outward actions, okay? Transgression seems to do with our outward actions. It's the verbs, 
Okay? It's the verbs of the context. It's the doing, right? It's the sin that's happening externally. This is like lying, right? Stealing, coveting, saying hurtful things to one another, violence, rage, lust, all of these different things this morning. It's the act of sin. On the other hand, iniquity is different. It has to do with our internal state, our sense of being, our very identity, the state before God. This could also be called the flesh or the sinful nature that we have, the stuff that's inside that leaves us broken and it leaves us from God. And this is important because we don't have to do a single outward sinful action and we'd still be sinful because of our iniquities. It's a simple fact that all human beings have this um, messed up selfish side to us. I'm not trying to step on toes this morning, but we have this messed up selfish side to us and that if left to our own devices and a parting away from God, we're deeply prideful people, right? We're deeply prideful people and we're self-serving and a lot of times we're hurtful to others. This is why morality and religion simply don't work with one another. Even if you could get rid of all the transgressions and evils in your life, all the outward stuff that makes us immoral and cruel and evil, you still couldn't get rid of the iniquity. You're still going to have the inner stuff. You're still going to have the things that people can't see. You know, you can look really good more, uh, and moral on the outside, But on the inside, it's still broken, right? You're still separated from God. And in fact, the people in the Bible who managed to get rid of all the outward stuff and lead more uh, really moral lives were called the Philistines. Or not the Philistines, I'm sorry. The Pharisees this morning. And Jesus had some pretty harsh things to say about them, right? We're talking about the Pharisees. He had things to say about them that were pretty harsh. You know, our iniquities lead to our transgressions, okay? Our inner sin leads to our outer sins. The things that we deal with on the inside oftentimes lead to the outside, right? The things that we think of in our mind and, and the hurts and the, 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 the pain that we could cause somebody else, if we think about that over and over and over and our inside is not where it needs to be, it's going to start going to the outside, to the outer edge. Send us over the top. So I want to give you a few examples of inner and outer sins this morning. So, so those things that we deal with on the inside, like, you know, if, if uh, you're thinking about Um, somebody's car, man, I just really love that car, right? You're coveting that person's car, man. I wish I had the money to buy that. Well, what does that do? If you think about that over and over and over again, it might lead you to stealing that car because you want it so bad that you are okay with stealing it. All right. That's how these, uh, these two things go hand in hand. If you continue to allow them to mess you up, continue to allow them to speak in your life instead of God. So why is all this important again? Because in each of these passages, God is repeatedly saying that he compassionately and graciously 
and lovingly will forgive all your sin, both the inner and the outer. And the way he does this is through Jesus. Isaiah 53, starting in verse 4, says this, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In this passage, Isaiah is talking about Jesus hundreds of years before, okay, that he would die on a cross to uh, save our sins, okay? He was wounded by what? Our transgressions. What was he crushed by? Our iniquities. The word wounded is also translated as pierced, okay? Pierced. Isaiah is describing the suffering servant that God would send to take on our transgressions and iniquities of all his people, okay? He was pierced for our sins and our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. I talked a couple weeks about we cannot save ourselves from our sin. You cannot save yourself from your sin, It's impossible. You know, I tend to focus on more of the transgressions and oftentimes forget about the iniquity side of things. Well, if nobody can see it, nobody's going to know. If I think about it in my heart or in my head, who's going to know it, right? I go through this, and I'm sure you do as well. I look at our outer actions, and I think, yeah, I'm doing okay, okay? You probably see somebody walking around this building and you're like, they look like they're doing all right. You could probably point somebody out this morning. They look like they're doing good. But what you don't know is that there might be something messed up, right? Just because they're able to hold it inside and and, and cradle that and, and hide that from us. And when I think about, man, I'm doing okay, Okay? Or I see somebody when I mess up and when I get down on myself, I find myself in a rut. Okay. I find myself feeling like I can't get out of it. We can try really hard to be moral and good. Okay. We can do a really good job of trying, right? Really good job of trying and get as much transgression out of the way as we can. But that inner iniquity stuff is still there. You can get everything outside in order. You can get everything looking good and top notch. But you're still dealing with something on the inside. You're still dealing with something on the inside. It's still there. And this is why church and Jesus are never about giving you a list of rules and regulations about what you shouldn't do. If that's all it is, okay, then you will be very bored and frustrated with church because you've turned something beautiful and gracious into religion. And religion, in terms of my teenagers, is oftentimes boring, okay? I'm just being real this morning. But graciousness in compassionate relationships that transform our entire being, person, are freeing. 
and beautiful. Because this isn't about moralism in here this morning. This is about coming to the end of ourselves saying, I cannot do this anymore and I need your help. And guess what God lovingly says back to us? I've been waiting for you to say that. I've been waiting for you to say that because you cannot save yourself. You can't do it. We all need Jesus for that. Jesus saves us from all of our sin. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Jesus saves us from all of our sin. We didn't have to do anything. We didn't have to die on a cross, right? We didn't have to be sent to the earth to die. Jesus did that for us. Saved us from our sin. And he didn't just save it from the inner. He saved it from the outer too. He saved it from all, saved us from all of it. Past, present, future. The sin that you're doing and the sin that you didn't even know that you just did. He saved you from that. And that's good news, right? It's not bad news, okay? It's good news this morning. You and I don't have to worry about what will fall out or that we will fall out of the grace of God and his love. Third, we need to continue on believing and, and knowing that he can touch us and save us. Third and lastly, we need daily reminders of our sin and God's grace. Don't take the good news of Jesus for granted this morning. What this should do is that it should make us fall on our faces and and thank him and weep with joy over our brokenness because what? Because God has compassion for us. He can heal us from these things. So here's a tough question this morning. When was the last time that you wept and cried over your sin? When was the last time that you wept and cried over your sin? I want to read something powerful to close this morning. And we're going to be at Psalm 51 here in a second, Tyler. You don't have to put it up there yet. But it's a song that King David wrote after he had an affair with another man's wife and then he killed him. It's pretty messed up, right? <clears throat> David is called a man after, after God's own heart in Scripture. And why was he called that? We see this account right here. Why was he called that? Because he recognized his own sinfulness. He recognized what he was doing wrong. He recognized his transgressions and iniquities, and he confessed them to God. And as a Christian, confession is a scary thing, right? It's a scary thing. It's not part of our human nature, okay? We want to keep it bottled up and not, not worry about what just happened. We don't want to uh, express it out there and say, God, I need your help, right? I need your grace, Confession is a very scary thing. It means acknowledging that you, in fact, are not perfect. And you are really quite selfish and, and broken and that you are foolish. And if it ended right there, right, it would be bad news. But because we're all messed up, it's good news. Because Jesus saves us from our sins. Psalms 51 says this, and you guys can stand and Cooper, come on up here. And let's play something this morning. Psalm 51 says this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to 
your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness, even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with the Esau, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me as a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. (laughs) A broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous. I'm going to say that again. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Then build, or then bulls will be offered on your altar. Praise be to God this morning. Only Jesus can give you victory over your transgressions. And that's why we need him today more than ever. Because it's so easy today. It's not difficult. Confess your sins and your transgressions as David did in that psalm. Pray that God will deliver you from the inner man. He will deliver you from the outer, which leads to make wrong choices. Pray for discerning spirit and power of self-control when sin and sinners are enticing you. Pray that God will assist you to fulfill your purpose in life. Pray that you will not become a self-destroyer this morning. It's so easy to shove the transgressions and the iniquities out of the way. It's so easy to think that you can save yourself. That you can just scoot on by life without any worry in the world of what anybody's going to think. Or where you're going to spend eternity. And in those moments, God calls us back and says, no. I'm here. Release your transgressions. Release your iniquities. I am a savior. I'm here for you. 
I mentioned earlier, when was the last time that you cried over your sin? That you wept and said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I don't want to do this again. 